0: So good morning, church. How's everybody? Good. Great to see all of you here today. I appreciate so much of being with us. This morning, we're going to be talking about Lord, give us more. And, and some of you, I'm guessing if you saw that topic, you're thinking more of what? Is that a reasonable question? More of what? Now, now sometimes when we start thinking about Lord, give us more, we're thinking about stuff that we can just have. Stuff for us. Because it is all about us, Right? It's all about me getting what I want. It's about me having the things that I want in life. Yes, isn't that what life is all about? And the church said, uh, not really. <laughs> I didn't want any amens on that one. I'm just telling you, I wasn't looking for an amen. You know, it would be nice if we all had the right, uh, you know, or maybe a not the right, is, right is not the correct word. It would, be, it would be great if we had a good perspective on what it is to have more. I was sharing a conversation just before services started about the trip that Lynn and I took to Hawaii and folks were asking about it and it was great and it's beautiful and it is a phenomenal place. If you've never been, I encourage you to go. And I, and I do believe you're correct, it does cost about a 1000 bucks a day to go there because it's just expensive. Lynn and I had the distinct privilege of buying a dozen eggs for $9.95. Yes, the second dozen was only six ninety-five because I found the cheap store. And I didn't buy milk, but I've, I was told that it cost a lot. Yes, yeah, it is expensive. I am happy to say, though, that gasoline in Hawaii is less expensive than California. Yes. Which blows my mind, because I don't think they have any refineries over there. Uh, but, but anyway, so how they get it over there cheaper than we can buy it here, I don't know. Maybe we should ask the governor. He, he, uh, he has something to do with that. But when we think about getting more, oftentimes, truly, the first thing that comes to our mind is, okay, what can I have? What can I have more of? Well the point of this conversation this morning is not so much about what we get more of as far as physical things that we can hold in our hands or put in the bank account or things that we can put on our shelves because all of us collect something whether you'll admit it or not we all collect something. It's not about that. It's about having more of the quality of life that I believe that God really wants us to live. And I think that's the reason James wrote these particular words. And so there are four things that we're going to look at this morning. First of all, I believe the Lord wants us to have more grace. I think he needs for us to have a little bit more humility in how we live our lives, because it's not always about us. I think it also means that we should have some more patience with life. And I also want us to talk about being aware and being present In the world in which you live. And I think God especially needs us to be present in this world today. Maybe more than at any other time that we've ever lived. Because the world is really, really kind of messed up. So Lord give us more grace. You'll notice there are two cows with their backs to one another. And the reason there are two cows with their backs to one another is because the reality of all of life is that we really act like a bunch of cows sometimes. We truthfully do. I had a friend years ago who used to live in Huntsville, Alabama. Believe it or not, in the, city of, in the city of Huntsville, Alabama is one of the largest dairy farms, cattle farms in all of the state of Alabama. It's literally within the city limits. It's been there forever. They built around it. The guy that owns the land wouldn't sell it to the city. He wouldn't sell it to any developers. He still has a huge ranch there. And my friend was telling me years ago about kids, especially teenage kids who just learned how to drive and wanted to do some fun stuff, they would go to the farm, the edge of the farm, and they would park where you would enter into the gate to get to the the barns and things, and they would sit there in the middle of the night and they would blow their horns, thinking that they were scaring the cows. What the farmer told me was what they didn't know is when you blow the horn, that's how he calls the cows to eat. (laughs) And so these kids were blowing their horns and all the cows would come to see them, and they thought it was really, really cool. If you've ever driven through the countryside, especially in the south, if you've ever had the opportunity to drive through the south, you'll notice that there are ponds. Some of them are natural ponds, some of them have been man-made, they're dug so that they can hold water for the cows especially to eat. And if you've ever driven through there, and especially in the heat of the summer, you'll notice that sometimes there's an old cow standing in the middle of the pond. Have you ever seen that? Anyone know what I'm talking about? Well, well, let me tell you a secret. There's no, there are no diving boards in ponds. For the cows to get into the middle. They just kind of meander their way out there. They kind of get out there in the middle of that thing, slowly but surely, and they'll take a step or two in, and they'll look up and look around to make sure there's nothing that's threatening them. They'll take another step or two. They get, they get knee deep. They get belly deep, and, and they get deep enough so that it really does cool them off, and that's what it's all about. And the fact of the matter is, you and I get into things in our life the same way an old cow does. Because normally, when we get into something, Good, bad, or indifferent, we don't just get into it by jumping off the diving board. We usually get into things slowly and surely. And this verse of scripture in James chapter 4, the first six verses, talks about something that we have to be really, really careful about in our fellowship in the church. Listen to these words What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You don't have because you do not ask God. And when you do ask, you don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on what you you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people. Don't you know your friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Anyone, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think, Scripture says, without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely, but he gives us More grace. And that is why the scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You know, we have all kinds of fusses and feuds and fights and quarrels in our world, don't we? And I'm not talking about politically. I'm not talking about anything to do with politics. I'm not even talking about wars to end all wars. I'm not talking about the conflict between the United States of America and any other country in the world that you may want to name. I'm not talking about any of those kind of things. I'm talking about the quarrels and stuff that happen within the fellowship. Because who do you think James was writing to when he wrote this letter? He wasn't writing to Caesar. Just saying. He wasn't writing to the emperor or to the Caesar or whoever ruled the city in which he was living when he wrote this. He was writing to those who were in the church. And what is it about us that causes us to have fights and quarrels? What is it about us that causes us to have disgruntled people in our midst and have have arguments about things and have discussions about things that go way beyond probably where they should be. The reality is it's because we don't have enough grace toward one another. Because you see, you may have an impression of what some verse of Scripture means. And I may have another impression of what verse of Scripture means. And you may think your opinion is better than my opinion. And then you start beating me down. Anybody ever been in that kind of a situation before? You may have an understanding of what worship should look like. You may have a better understanding of what a church building should look like. This is a pretty cool building, yes? Thanks to all of you who are elders and who were in charge of this thing, what was it, 18 years ago when you started making the plans for this and here we are now enjoying this? <sighs> Whoever came up with a slope floor? Whose idea was that? Don't answer that out loud. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. But I'm telling you, there's some people that when you see stuff like that, it just drives other folks crazy. I remember hearing a story one time of a a little country church back in the South again, and I say things from the South because I know more stories from there. But there there was a situation in the church where the church needed a roof. And the men were meeting to try to figure out how they were going to pay to get the roof done. And and one of the old guys at the church, who was pretty wealthy, but he was pretty stingy all at the same time, he made a comment in the middle of the meeting. He said, well, he said, I'll match anyone's contribution to roofing the building. And his nephew stood up and he said, well, Uncle, you and I just roofed the church. And his uncle was very upset, and he tried to get out of it. You know, even if you pick the wrong color of shingles, sometimes people get upset about stuff. Can I get an amen? Yes. Guess why we do that? Because we're humans. We're humans. There's some things that you like. There's some things that you don't like. Sometimes you like to see a preacher in a tie. My suggestion is you find another church. (laughs) Because I don't wear a tie anymore. Have you noticed? Sometimes I wear a jacket. Not today. You're lucky I didn't have on blue jeans. If they had been clean, I would have worn them. And I know it's appropriate because one of the fellow elders with me, Ken DeBo, stands up here almost every week with blue jeans and a jacket on and our song leader. Seriously, that's humanity though. That's who we are as people and if we're not careful, we'll allow those petty, silly things to cause us to be upset with one another. Am I speaking the truth or not? So I want you to think about how we interact with one another. James makes some harsh words here. He says, you guys covet and you kill one another. And he's not talking about physically killing somebody with like a gun or a a knife or or a blunt object, but he's talking about killing one another with words. How about killing one another softly with a song? That sounds like a really good (laughs) How about killing one another with love? But humanity, the nature of humanity, the brokenness of humanity is, no, if I don't like what you're doing, then by golly, dog, I'm going to tell you what I think about it and I don't think you're right and you should do what I want because I think my opinion is more important than yours. Which leads us to the next point because James doesn't stop here. He says we're supposed to have a little bit of humility with our lives. So God opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve and mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up. The quote, don't know why or how uh, Doug Mead found the quote from C.S. Lewis, but this one is also from C.S. Lewis. If you were in class this morning, Doug quoted Mr. Lewis. This is also from him. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Since when did church become about me? Since when did it become about me? It's not about me. I'll let you in on a secret. It's not about you either. It's about all of us coming together in one body. And we all have different needs. We all have different experiences in life. We all have different things that are going to prompt us to do great things and distract us from doing other things. That's the nature of humanity. And what James is trying to get us to understand is that you and I have to be sensitive to other people with whom we have the privilege of serving in the kingdom. We have the privilege and honor of serving with one another in the kingdom, and it, it ought to bring up in us a desire to be more humble. It's not about what I want. It's about what can I do for you to serve you. It's less of me and more of you. I think that's biblical. Seems like somebody said that in the Word somewhere, didn't they? It's less of me and it's more of you. I think somewhere in John it talks about I must decrease in what? He must increase. Well, if we're decreasing, why is it that we always try to get our way? And why is it that we feel like that we need to have the right to say whatever we have to say? It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus. And it's about promoting Christ in our lives. And truthfully, the only way we can do that is to be humble. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. When you and I come here and serve one another, the emphasis should be on serving. This is a very common challenge and problem for churches. How many of you know of someone who decided to go to another church because I just wasn't getting anything out of it anymore? Would you like their phone numbers? I can give them to you. Do you know that we have had people who have been members of the Mission B O Church of Christ? Do you know they don't go here anymore? Because they weren't getting anything out of it. Do you realize that every church that I've ever attended in the last 59 plus years has had people who've experienced that? When I was a kid living in Pontiac, Michigan, I know that there were people who left the Perry Street Church of Christ to go to another Street Church of Christ, who left that Street Church of Christ to go to another Street Church of Christ. And you want to know the primary reason that happens sometimes? They got a new preacher. And they didn't like the preacher. Respectfully. When did it become about how good the preacher was? When did that become the litmus test of whether I will go to this church or not? I thought being a member of the body of Christ was serving others. Which leads me to the next point. Our Lord, give us more patience. Because you see, the world is kind of messy. It is very messy. And you and I need to be very present In a very messy world. James continues in verse 11. He says this. Brothers and sisters. Let me just show that in there for those of you who may be female. "Uh, Do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against his brother or judges him speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you're not keeping it but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you? To judge your neighbor. Wow. And I know you don't really think of yourself as a judge. But when you and I look at some of the things that are happening around us and we make those smirky little remarks about stuff going on around us, which are a little, just a little bit, not much, but just a little bit demeaning and just a little bit kind of putting someone down because of the way that they are or the way that they're dressed or the way that they're not dressed or the way that they do this or the way that they do that? Are we not sitting in judgment of them? Why can't we just be present with them in their life where they are? Why do I have to judge them because of how they are? I just don't see Jesus doing that much. I just don't. I mean, it's not like he never ate with sinners and prostitutes, right? Do you know, we don't see many examples of Jesus going to church on Saturday and teaching. We don't see much of that. What we see is his daily living. You know what I'm saying? What we see is him living life daily with people, wherever they are, and however messed up they are, he just lived with them. And the beauty of living with them, and here's the cool part the beauty of living living with them, being present in their messy lives, is that he got to shine his light. You get where I'm coming from? He got to shine his light. He didn't throw people under the bus. He loved on them. He was reaching out to them. The story that that Doug introduced to this morning, which we'll get into next week because all we got to do today was read it. But the story of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. A half-breed. Horrible expression, isn't it? A half-breed, but that's how they were considered. They were the scum of the earth. Do you know any scum of the earth today? Don't tell me you don't. Because I know you do. Because the world has taught you that there are some people who are not as good as you. And unfortunately, when you hear it often enough, you get to think it. When you get to think it, you start believing it. But Jesus spent time with people who were very much not like him so that he could shine the light of his glory into their lives. I don't know everything Jesus said to the woman at the well. I think he had to say something more than just, hey, he's not not your husband. He had to say more than that. But whatever it was that he said, it was enough to cause her to begin to believe in who he was, the Messiah. Why can't we do that? Why can't we go into the world, the messiness of the world, and just be present and just show Jesus a little bit so that people can begin believing in him at whatever amount it is, however small, however great, but they begin to see. Paul puts it this way. I planted, Apollos water. And God gave the increase. You remember that part of the story? So how much have you planted? How much have you watered? It's not up to us to bring the increase. That's God. And when God's Spirit moves through the words that we share, or moves through the words that others share, the experiences they have with others who come in or just present with them, who show just a little bit of the glory of God, when all of that happens, then they come into the family. But our job, is to be present in a messy, messy world. Not to judge it. Jesus says, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. Our job isn't to judge it. Our job is just to be in it. Because even Jesus said, I didn't come to take you out of the world. You have to be in the world. And the only way to reach people who are lost is to be in the The world. So I challenge you to be present in a messy, messy world. And then finally, we need to be aware. May the Lord truly give us more awareness of what's going on around us. Now listen. I'm not saying that because I want you to listen. That's the next words in the book. Now listen. You who say today or tomorrow we'll go to this or that city and spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You're a midst that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say this. If it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast and brag. And all such bragging is evil. Anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. Anyone who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. You and I need to be present in a messy world. And when we're there, we need to be aware of all the stuff that's going on around us. Because you and I don't know when God will use us to work through us to bring some light to into the life of someone who is living in the darkness. You get what I'm saying? We have to be aware of what's going on around us. Look, there have been times in my life when I've been doing something and I see something that I know I should do and I literally turn my car around and go back and stop and go see the dude or go see or to go talk to the person. Just this, just this week when we were in Hawaii, the day, by the way, our son got married. Yay, Rari. We're excited about that. The evening after the wedding, he got married on Wednesday. We're in a restaurant Wednesday night, right? Is that the night? We're having dinner. We had a great dinner. Twelve of us sitting around the table had a great dinner. And there's this gal who's playing. Now this is a restaurant and they got a bar. And then on the bar side, I don't even know where she was sitting. But this girl was playing a guitar and she was singing songs. And she sang some pretty good songs. But the very end of her night, at the very end, she sang, How Great Thou Art. And I'm sitting at the table and I'm thinking, I've never been to church in a bar. (laughs) But tonight, tonight, I'm in church. And she's singing this song and it's beautiful. It brought tears to my eyes. It brought tears to her eyes because, you see, here's the reality of it. A month ago, I did her dad's funeral and I led the song, How Great the Heart. And her dad couldn't come to the... Wedding, because he checked out. He decided he'd die on, on World Day. But I led that song at his funeral. And my son has his wedding, and they pay a little tribute to Lynn's dad, Wayne, at the wedding ceremony. And then that night, last song, How Great Thou Art. And the little gal is packed up, and she's walking out, and, and, and I... I just had to stop, and I jumped up out of my chair, and I ran out, and I caught her. And I told her, I said, I just need you to know that you made our day very special. And I explained to her, I said, you know, just a month ago, I had to do the funeral for my father-in-law, and our son got married today, and he was supposed to have come to Hawaii with us, and he couldn't come. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart and my wife's heart for singing How Great Thou Art. You have to be aware of what's going on around you. And when you are aware of what's going on around you, you have to be bold enough to go talk to people and tell them. Because she would have left that night not knowing the power. Because that made the whole day. I mean, the wedding was cool. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but that made the day. Now, how did she know to sing that song? I didn't tell her. I didn't even know where she was sitting. But God knew. And we had the privilege of listening to an angel, sing a song. Guys, the life in Christ is so much more than just showing up at church. It's so much more than judging other people. It's so much more than snapping at somebody because they didn't interpret that verse of scripture just right. Are you kidding me? Do you know how many people could even read in the first century? Like three. <laughs> I don't have anything against studying the Bible and reading it. I think we all should do it more, like daily. But I'm here to tell you, when Paul made that statement, "Study to show thyself approved unto God, work need not be ashamed." Handling right, the word of truth. You remember that? That's King James, right? Yes, sir. Thank you. And I know that because I memorized that when I was a kid in Pontiac, Michigan and I had to memorize that and quote that from my daddy before he let me eat dinner. Just saying. Paul didn't write that to everybody. He wrote that to Timothy. Now I want you to study and I want you to understand the word of God. But I want you to understand too that it isn't within our capacity to know it all. And you could study till the cows come home. No pun intended, but till the cows come home, you could study. And you're never going to know it all. And someone else will still have a different understanding of something than you do. Now you've got to figure out how important is that? How important is that in the fellowship of believers? Grace is important. That's what's important. I think even Peter said the stuff that Paul wrote is hard to understand. Didn't he say that? Seems like he said that. If Peter couldn't figure it out, an apostle of God, then help me understand why you're supposed to. I'm not saying don't try. But I'm saying don't get uptight. Love one another. God is love. It gives us more grace so I can put up with you. (laughs) And you can put up with me. And he gives us more humility because it's not about what I think. It's about how can I serve you. And he gives us more patience because you're never going to get it right quick enough for me because I eat fast. And he gives us the ability to be aware of those that we are around so that we can share just a little bit more of the light and the love and the wonder of who Jesus is. See, a lot of people think James is just some legalistic nuthead who was a very obsessed Jewish man who wrote a book. And truth be known, he probably was. But there's some really, really cool stuff in here. And if we see it through the eyes of Christ, through the eyes of the love of God, it's amazing what we can do with James. So I invite you to take this message with you as you go home this week. Share it with someone. Make sure that you're aware of what you're around. Make sure that you are present in a very, very messy world. But most of all, make sure that your love shines and shares Jesus. We're going to stand and sing this song, I Love to Be in Your Presence. Granted, it's going to come and lead us. If there's any reason that we can pray for you need the prayers of the church, I invite you to come as we stand and sing.